Amen. So we're going to continue in our journey in Genesis. I want to encourage you to open to Genesis chapter 27. <coughs> we'll be doing a, a bit of reading here. And 27 is one of those, those long chapters. Well, I we'll have it on the board behind me as well if you, if you prefer that. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim, so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son. And he answered, Here I am, he said. Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and prepare for me delicious food such as I love, and bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat and bless you before the Lord before I die. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats that I may prepare from them delicious food for your father such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself, and not a blessing. His mother said to him, Let your curse be on me. My son, only obey my voice, and go and bring them to me. So he went and took them and brought them to his mother, and his mother prepared delicious food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And the skins of the young goat she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. And she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went into his father's house and said, My father, and he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, Because the Lord your God granted me success. And Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac his father, who felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him, because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed them. He said, are you really my son Esau? He said, I am. And he said, Bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is a smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine, that the people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may your mother's son bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, Esau his brother came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game, that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, who are you? He answered, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who is it that then hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it 
all before you came, and I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry, says to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully and has taken away your blessing. Esau said, Is his name not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He, he took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Then he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him lord over you and all his brothers, and I have given to him for servants, and with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Have you not but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac his father answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of the heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. A lot going on there, huh? Has your family ever had drama? This family has a little drama going on. I know, when I grew up, we, we had a little bit of drama. We had a lot of drama, actually. And it was, it was pretty constant. can't ever say I remember an event quite like this. But there's a lot going on here, and it should be fun. But as we begin, I want us to, to realize uh, two things before we dive into this chapter. In chapter 26, there was a triple declaration from, from God to Isaac. He said, I will always be with you. He says, I am with you. And he is told by Abimelech that the Lord has been with you. He's given this assurance that, that God has been with him, that God is with him, and that God is going to be with him. Well, what is the problem here? What what is going on with Isaac? Why why is Isaac an error here? I, Isaac surely knew what God said to Rebecca in chapter twenty five. Rebecca had those two twins that were fighting inside of her, and, and she prayed to God and said, "What's going on here?" And God revealed to her that she had two nations in her womb, and the younger would serve the older. That God had already ordained and chosen Jacob over Esau. So what is Isaac doing? Isaac favors Esau. And he's trying to give Esau the Abrahamic blessing that Abraham gave to him. And he, he's trying to go against the will of God. In case you're wondering, it is not smart to go against the will of God. It's not going to end well. And so Isaac thought he could, he could cheat his way, way around this a little bit. And I'm sure we've heard this story in this passage before, but let's dive in and take a look at it. So first understand, Isaac, his eyes are very dim. He cannot see hardly at all. I imagine his ears did not did not work the best. His hearing was, was probably limited. And then the scripture tells us that he, at this point, is 137 years old. I can't imagine what it's like to be 137. I know their, their aging process was a little different than, than ours is at this point. But he was, he was an old man. And he did not know the day of his death, as none of us know. Only God knows that day. And so as that day approached, he said, it's time for me to give, give the blessing to my son. This was a kind of a rite of passage. But these blessings were not just some kind words that a father would say to his son to encourage him for those hard times he would have without him. These were prophetic blessings. These were things that were going to happen. We see this repeated with Jacob with his 12 sons. And so we, we understand... The, the importance in the Old Testament of this blessing that Isaac was having. 
I want us to remember Isaac. He, he was the, the, young, the young man that, that was being offered as a sacrifice by Abraham. And all he asked his father, where is the sacrifice? And he said, God will provide. And we don't see Isaac struggling. We don't see him having a problem being the sacrifice. He was willing. But as what happens to, to many people is, as when we're, we're young and we're, we're dedicated in our faith to God, then we get comfortable. And as the years go by, we start to enjoy the luxurious things that we have in life. And that is happening to Isaac. Isaac could have blessed Esau right away. Because said, come in, my son, I want to bless you. What does he say? No, go out and prepare me my favorite meal. Isaac is caring more about the food than really the blessing. You know, we see Isaac in, in his latter years, he, he is, but like many men we see in the Old Testament, that they've kind of fallen and drifted away a little bit. and They've gone after the things of the world. I encourage you tonight, if you find yourself being like Isaac and, and caring more about the things of the world, come, come back to God. Understand that God is with you and He's for you. And He will provide your needs. You know, don't be worried about those fancy things. Don't be worried about having the, the choicest meal that, that you could possibly have. He, uh, with Isaac, he's talking like this is his last meal he's ever going to have. You know, the, the, the irony of this is, do you know how, long, how much longer uh, Isaac lives? 35 years. He, he lives till he's 180 years old. He lives a good long more time. He's going to have plenty more meals. <laughs> he was so focused on that meal. And it's uh, like, father, like, son, why did Esau lose his birthright? Over a meal. This is silliness. You know, we had a missionary here to speak with this morning. We treated him to a nice steak lunch. You know, the, the lunch was good, but it's not worth a birthright. It's not worth a blessing from God. You know, that, that's something that, that Isaac and Esau would, would learn the hard way. And we, we see um, we, with Abraham, he's talking about, I, I'm, I'm going to bless you, my son Isaac. I'm going to give you the blessing of God. And we see that with Jacob as well. He, he gives them God's blessing. That's where we get the phrase, God bless you. You know, this, this idea that, that we can pass on the blessing that God has given to us and pass it down to the next generation. But it does not say that Isaac is blessing by, by God's blessing. He's saying, my soul longs to bless you, Esau. He wanted Esau to, to prosper. Just like we have uh, Rebecca is, is favoring uh, Jacob, we also have uh, Isaac is favoring his son. You know, I, I know many families, you know, sometimes, you know, as kids grow up and they, they accuse mom and dad, you favor this person, you favor that person. So we all know what's going on there. So. But the, rea the reality is what, what we see here is favoritism, and it costs this family dearly. We see uh, with Rebecca here, what, what has happened? God has told her, I am going to bless Jacob. Esau will serve him. His descendants will serve Jacob's descendants. God has declared it. It is going to happen. So why does Rebecca do what she does? Because she is doubting the word of God. Don't ever doubt the word of God. What God has spoken is going to happen. I have stood up here and talked about uh, global warming and things like that before. And I tell you not to worry about that. That, that The Bible says the world's going to come to an end. And it's going to be by fire from heaven. And it's not going to be by pollution. You know, that, 
we need to trust the word of God. Amen. In that same sentence, we, we should also acknowledge that to Adam was charged to care for creation, and we should be careful in how we treat what God has created, what God has blessed us with. Amen. Nobody wants to go out in their backyard and make it a garbage dump. It just doesn't make any sense. God has told us to take care of what he's given us. Amen. The reality is we need to trust God's word. We talk about Jesus being risen. We gave evidence for that last Sunday how you should have no reason to doubt. The atheist historians don't doubt it. Why would a Christian ever doubt that Jesus rose from the grave? We should never doubt it. Do not doubt that Jesus is coming again. The Word of God declares that He is coming. He's bringing His wrath and recompense with Him. Amen. To give everyone who has done good their reward, and to everyone who has done evil their reward. That is the Word of God. You should believe it with all assurance. So Rebecca here, she doubts. She, she has... She has that doubt, and so she conspires with her son Jacob. And, and she makes Isaac's favorite meal, as a wife would know her husband's favorite uh, meal very well. And it seems like there's some marital strife going on. She's eavesdropping on, on Isaac's conversation with Esau. And so she knows that Esau has been sent out to go, go hunt so he can prepare the meal. So she goes and gets Jacob and dresses them all up and assures him, don't worry, this little scheme of mine is going to work. If there's any curse, it will fall upon me. And so Jacob really doesn't have a, uh, a moral dilemma here. You know, he, he has shown propensity before to be willing to trick and deceive uh, to, to get what he wants. And he wants the blessing. You know, let's not make Jacob out to, to being more morally upright at, at this point in time. He has, he has not yet had that encounter with God. But what we do, we do see is a person who is concerned, he did not want to incur his father's wrath. But I want us to understand very clearly the, the great consequence this has for Rebecca. At the end of the story, Rebecca sends Jacob away because she's afraid for his life from Esau. When's the next time Rebecca will see him? Anyone know? In glory. She never sees Jacob again. It cost her dearly. She loved she loved Jacob. She loved Jacob. And that, that, was, that was her favorite. That was her baby. Yeah, if you want to accuse them of favoritism, they both had, had one of their own. No one was left out. But it costs dearly. And we see favoritism often costs. God, God tells us to, to make no favorites. He tells us, especially in the church, do not favor one over the other. Don't favor the rich over the poor. Do not, do not bring my name to shame. You know, we, we, are, we are to show no, no favoritism. As, as God shows no favoritism, God is not going to, to bless you because you are something special. God has offered you salvation. It's up to you if you're going to receive his gift. He's offered that salvation to every single person. We, we can't go around all high and mighty and say, look at me, look what God has done for me, because God loves me so much. I wish he loved you. Like, no, God loves everyone equally. And he showed no favorites. We need to remember that, that Rebecca had the promise of God. Now, I don't know if God has promised you anything, but if God has promised you something, don't try to rush it. It will happen exactly when God says it's going to happen. Not a moment sooner. In Rebecca, all her conniving with her son Jacob, she didn't make any of this happen any sooner than it would have. All she did is cost herself much time with the son she loved, Jacob. And as we talk about Jacob, we can look and see that, that he's kind of a, a deceiver at this point. His name literally means usurper. He's a trickster. 
You know, Jacob knew that, that, that God, that there was a promise from God for his life. Yet he, he chose to listen to his mother instead of God. I encourage you, especially the, we just had mine in here. But the, when, when you're told to listen to your mother, that is what the Bible talks about, to honor your father and mother. But when it comes time to it, when your mother's going opposite of what God is saying, go with God each and every time. And I know we have some godly mothers in here, so we don't have to worry about that. We, we don't have Rebecca's in here. No, but we, we need to make sure that we are listening to God and not our own voices, not our own desires. For, for Rebecca's desire came from a, a place of, I think, a, a right standing. She wanted that promise that God had given her, that, that promise for Jacob. But she wanted it right now. Just like with Abraham and Sarah, they wanted it right now. They didn't want to wait. And what happened? Name's Ishmael. You know, we have a problem over the Middle East with war after war after war from his descendants. This is the consequence of sin. It has real consequences for everyone. You may think the sin you're doing in life just affects you, but it will affect many more for generations to come. When we, we look, we, we see Jacob, he ends up being a liar. Three different times he says, I am Esau. You know, when we talk about family drama, we all have it. No one comes out of this picture looking good. You have a selfish father. You have a deceitful mother. You have a lying son. And the, four, and the other son ends up wanting to kill his brother. Nobody comes out looking well. You know, it's almost like we're back in the garden with Cain and Abel. You know, we, we have two sinner of a parents, and then we have one brother <coughs> wanting to kill another. You know, I would remind you what, what God spoke of in Numbers is that to be sure that your sin will find you out. And Jacob's sin will be known soon. In fact, right after that meal is done, right after the blessing is over, Esau walks in. You know, I'm not sure how, when, when this was going through Jacob's mind how he thought Esau would react. But Esau is a skilled hunter. He is a warrior. Not the type of man you want to take off. And that's exactly what he was doing. As we, we see with Esau, you know, he, he, he gets to the point where he's tearing up, he's crying, he says, Father, bless me also. Don't you have one blessing? And what we see in this is that or, uh, Isaac's blessing that was intended for Esau was so thorough, it was um, so encompassed everything, that there was nothing left to be intended to Jacob. Isaac did not want Jacob to have the blessing of God. He wanted it to go to his son Esau. And so we see everything is given to Jacob. Did Jacob deserve everything? No. But that, that was God's will. That was God's choice. We should not question that. There are going to be times in your life where you may be jealous of someone at work, or you, you see somebody that's prospering, and you look at their life, and they're sinning, and you know they don't deserve it. Leave that to God. God is working on them. God is, God is setting them, them up for, for repentance or setting them up for judgment. And Jacob is the, the picture behind me. We'll show you very soon. He, he will come face to face with the, with, with the Holy One. He will literally be wrestling God all night long. You don't want to be that one. God is, God is pretty good at wrestling. He, he will beat you. And as, as we, we look to Esau, he is, he is one that's a, a unique figure as, as we look back. And I, I want us to think about um, I didn't read the verses, um, but after all this happens, he hears uh, Isaac and Rebekah talking. 
I'm not sure how that conversation would have those two would have gone like, why did Jacob do that? And Rebecca would be like, oh, I, I put him up to it, or I don't know. He, he, he's Jacob. He does those kind of things. I'm not sure if she would have owned up to it. But what we do see is they talk about Esau's wives, that they displeased uh, um, Isaac and Rebekah, that they were from the Hittites. So does um, when, when Jacob is sent away to, to get his wife from, from Laban, her, her uncle, is she uh, is Esau like, well, let me go with Jacob and get a wife that will please my parents. Does he do that? No, Esau gets a little revenge here, doesn't he? He finds the one family on earth that will make Isaac and Rebekah even more angry, more displeased with him. Who's he going to get a wife from? Isaac's brother, Ishmael. See what's going on here? He's saying, you've done me like Ishmael. I'll go and be part of their family. And to this day, the descendants of Esau and Ishmael have been together. We know them as Muslims today. And there's a prophecy in Genesis about them, specifically about Ishmael and his descendants. It says, your, your hand will, will always, always be against your brother. He'll be a, a wild man, a wild donkey, a wild ass of a man. And that is what we see today. We see the, the cause and the consequence of sin. You know, I, I would tell us that all our sins and our stupidities, I, I hope well, none of our sins ever escalate to the level that is going on in this family. And I, and I know there's sometimes we have family drama, and I pray your drama never reaches to this point. I pray you humble yourselves and you repent and you seek God and His will before it ever gets there. But when we see that the God's will is, has been determined and he's going to bring it to completion, even when we resist it, if you resist God's will for your family, it's not going to stop that from happening. You're just going to cause yourself to endure pain and conflict that, that you don't need to. If you had surrendered to God, you would avoid that. We as a church, if, if God has given us his will for the, for the future of our church, and we could either go along with it or we could fight, fight against it. It's not going to stop what's going to happen. All it's going to do is cause us to, to be in God's way. And God, God is very swift to deal with people that are standing in His way. I want us to look at from 2 Timothy chapter 2. It says, If we have died with Him, we also live with Him. If we endure, we also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He will also deny us. If we are faithless, He remains faithful. For He cannot deny Himself. When we see in these first two lines, if we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. That's what God calls us to do. But the third line warns that if we deny him, he will also deny us. So with the two lines of assurance and a line of warning ringing in our ears, we come to the fourth line, the climax of that statement, if you will. If we are faithless, you know, we would assume by the previous verses that it would say he would be unfaithful. But God is never unfaithful. God is unable to be unfaithful. He is always faithful. And that is what we read. God cannot and will not do anything but be faithful, even to his unfaithful children. We may be have people in our families right now, and I, I know this part of the message will speak to, to, to not us, but those that are in our lives. We have people in our lives that are unfaithful to God. They are not living according to God's will. They are rejecting his offer of salvation. They are re rejecting the gospel. They are, in fact, rejecting his son. 
But God tells us to remain faithful, to remain in, in His will, and to remember that God is faithful, that God will bring salvation to all those who call upon His name. I can't bring salvation to anyone, neither can you. We can try really hard, and usually we, we end up making it worse. The reality is that God is able, and I want you to remember that. That while Rebecca thought she was going to escalate the, the promise given to Jacob, she did not do so. She just cost her valuable time to Jacob. And with, with Esau, Isaac thought he would subvert the blessing to Jacob and give it to Esau. And the reality is that did not happen. What happened is that God and God's timing and God's way made it happen. I want you to remember that and have hope and have, have faith that God will do what God has said he's going to do. Remember that. We can't play games with God's Word. There are many who, who like to take the, the Bible and, and will read, read out verses and, and say, well, this is what it means, and, and misapply the Word of God to their lives. They're bringing wrath upon themselves. And the reality is, uh, too often people will look at the Bible and say, well, well, God loves me, and if God loves me, that means He loves what I do. And they justify their sin. And they, they go on and on and say, it's okay that I live this way. It's not okay. There is judgment. And then they, they want to blame God. Nobody is going to stand before God and be able to accuse Him of one thing. God is loving and He is just. You know, I, I think in, in all the scriptures, probably the most used, misused verse is Jeremiah 29.11. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. And then we'll use that at graduations and talk about these great plans that God has for you and He's going to bless you and you're going to be rich and healthy and have a great family, have a great job, and life is just going to be great, right? What does the verses 1 through 10 say? Jeremiah says, this is what God has declared. The, the Babylonians are going to come and they're going to enslave you. They're going to kill your children and carry you off into slavery. Understand the context of verse 11. But this is not your end. This will not be the end of God's people. For I know the plans I have for you. You may be going through a hard time right now, but that is not the end. God knows the plans he has for you. And just because it is difficult now, just because it is hard now, maybe you find yourself in a, a type of Babylonian captivity where you can't even worship God the way you want to. We're in a, in a workplace that is very hard to get up and go. Understand God has a plan for you. God has a will for you that no one can stop. Isaac couldn't stop it for Jacob. Esau couldn't steal it back. Rebecca couldn't make it happen. For your children and your grandchildren, for yourselves, your brothers and sisters, our community, our neighbors. We can't force it upon them. It is God and God's timing that will make it happen. But we need to make sure that our hearts are right. That we're right with God. That we're, we are right with His will. Are we right with His will? Are you? If you're not, get right. You're not doing yourselves any favor by sitting on the fence. So I told you before, with Jesus, you're either all in or you're in hell. There's no way around it. Jesus said, I offer you eternal life. I am the bread of life. He who eats from me will never be hungry. He also said to carry a cross every day. 
Every day you must carry your cross. And some of our crosses are pretty heavy. But Christ said, take my yoke. Christ has gone before you. He's felt that pain that you felt. He's felt the shame, the, the shame of sin that you felt. He felt it on the cross. It's why we come together on Good Friday and declare what God has done. And we declare what God is going to do. Just as Christ was raised up on the third day, as God's Word says, Christ is coming again. He's going to wipe away every tear from your eye. Amen. We will praise God. We will worship with Him. You know, this Sunday coming up, we're going to be talking about Revelation 8, where there's silence in heaven for about a half an hour. There has never been silence in heaven, ever. The people are in awe and they are rejoicing. We will rejoice with Christ when He pours out His wrath, when He opens that scroll, when He breaks that seventh seal. We will not be mourning. We will not be weeping. We will be rejoicing, and you will as well. So understand, whatever you're going through now, whatever you're facing, understand that God knows what you're going through. And God has a plan. And His plans always come true. You can look time after time in Scripture. We've seen people try to stop the prophecies of God. I think of King Herod, when he tries to kill the, the young boys in Bethlehem, he thinks he's going to kill the Son of God, the Messiah, who would become king. He didn't do any of that. All he did was fulfill another prophecy that, that was spoken of. Rachel weeping for her children, for they are no more. Understand that God's word always comes true. And what God has spoken to you will happen. There's no way around it. You should praise God and thank Him for that assurance. Know that this time may, may be hard and may be difficult. But they only were in Babylon 70 years and then they got to go home. They got to go home and be part of the temple, rebuild it again. The same temple that Jesus would teach in. That he would drive out the, the sinners from. That were making his father's house a, a den of thieves. Understand that all of us are part of God's plan. We like to think of ourselves in, in this life. That what we're going through, it's about me. It's about my life. And you know, I got all these things I want to do. I want to save enough for retirement. Pay off my house. Be able to go on vacation every year. All that stuff. You know what that is? That's a, that's a drop of water in the ocean of God's plan. That we are we are characters. We we are people in the story. If this was a movie, you and I would be would, would be the little people you'd see on the screen, the, the extras in in the back for a moment. But this is the good news for you: is you get to be part of the story. Mm -hmm. That like when the when the movie scrolls come and they list all the actors and they list every single actor, even. Even the, the, the third police officer with the red hat, and they'll list them, they won't even give a name. At the end of the day, on the other side of the screen, there's their name. One day, when Christ comes and he prepares to judge the world, he's going to open a big scroll. We're going to see whose name's in here. This is the Book of Life. Juanita Pitts. Well done, my good and faithful servant. And then he's going to look down and say, I never knew you. Get away from me. What is it going to be? Are we going to trust God in His will? Are we going to trust God in His word? Are we going to be of that messed up family? We are part of the, of the Christ family. We, we don't need to be messed up no more. We don't need to have no more drama. We need to, to surrender our will to God and watch Him do amazing things. The same one who spoke heaven and earth together is willing and ready to fight for you. He desires to do it. 
That's what his word says. Sometimes we just got to get out of the way. But I pray often, God, let me get out of your way. Let the people hear what you want them to hear. I don't want you to hear what I have, have to say. Hear what God has to say. Let us pray. Our Father, Lord Jesus, I give you thanks this day. I give you thanks for your holy word. I give you thanks for the assurance that it is always true. It always comes to pass. And most of all, Lord, what your word says, you are returning again, and I look forward to the day. Even with all the things that your, your book of Revelation says will happen, Lord, as, as John said, I say, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. It's in your holy name we pray, Jesus. Amen.